This is episode number 913 on greatness redefined and sharing your own story. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Maya Angelou said, all great achievements require time. Welcome to this episode today, guys. I'm actually in the middle of Puerto Rico, spending some quality time with some of the biggest thought leaders, New York Times bestselling authors, entrepreneurs who've built and sold billion-dollar companies, and just all-around great human beings in the world. We're connecting with Brendan Burchard, going over how to make a bigger impact in the world, how to build our businesses so that we can have more resources to impact more people, how to create movements. And it's been a powerful last few days. And it's reminding me about time. How do we use our time? How long things take in order to build something meaningful, a movement takes time. Things don't happen overnight. And sometimes we lose sight of that and we we want it so fast. And we forget the power of our story. And we sometimes are so limited by our beliefs of what is possible in a limited amount of time as well. And this episode is an incredible series of interviews with some powerful women. We've got Esther Perel, who's a New York Times bestselling author and recognized as one of today's most insightful and original voices on modern relationships. We've got Mel Robbins, The Five Second Rule. And her new show, The Mel Robbins Show, we've got Najwa Zabian, who's an amazing speaker, poet, and author, and the world champion, Maria Sharapova, all on here talking about a number of different things. And we hit on a range of topics with these experts, answering questions directly from the audience at Summit of Greatness. And if you haven't been to the Summit of Greatness, this is our annual event You can go to summitofgreatness.com to learn more about it. And we just announced our first few speakers for this year. We talk about the importance of sharing your story and how to manage negative backlash as all these women have experienced backlash on their rise to greatness. We break down the stereotypes of relationships and what society defines as gender roles in romantic partnerships. We talk about how to break the habits that hold you back in your life from reaching your full potential. So if you've got negative habits, how to break those. We talk about when you're at the top of your business and career, how to keep your hunger, your drive, and your peace of mind when other people are coming at you. That and so much more. I'm very excited about this. Some incredible women that we've got on here. Make sure to share this out on your social media, lewishouse.com slash 913 and tag the ladies You can also go to the show notes and learn more about them and connect with them over there. And now I'm excited to get into this episode with the Ladies of Greatness. 
I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PUREleaf. That's promo code 20PUREleaf for 20% off. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Maria, your podcast, they were great with Lewis. I I learned a ton about you and how genuine you are, how honest you are. And something I really enjoyed was for a while you said you hated being in the car, that everyone knew it was the tournament, it was a tournament car, you didn't like it. Was it your time away from the sport or did something change over those 15 months that now you embrace it again? You, you like those things, you enjoy it? Or Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think when you do something for a very long time and as specific as tennis is and it's around the world in a very sim- similar places tournament at the same time of the year, you know where you're going, you know what you're getting, you know the people, like there's a sense of r- routine and all of that which is very comforting. But when you've been around the block for so many years, you have to find ways to motivate yourself. And being away from the game for that period of time it gives you a new sense of perspective. As I went into this year's U.S. Open and I get, I get to a Grand Slam like five or six days before the tournament starts to get used to the conditions, practice on the courts. And, and I remember my coach booked a, a practice on, on center court like four days before the tournament began. And the day before we were supposed to practice, they had an issue with the court and everyone that was scheduled to practice on center was canceled. And when he told me, I, I literally felt like I don't know, someone kicked my dog. Like, it was an awful feeling. And I was like, well, I've practiced on that court for so long. Like, I, I've played on it. I've practiced on it. And 
it was like I realized that right there, right then, that this was something new to me. Like I, I was looking forward to it, like how much I missed it. And um, yeah, it's those little things that you, you need to gain appreciation and sometimes that's what it takes. Awesome, thank you. Of course. My question is, you grew up in tennis and tennis was pretty much your mentality. Lewis talked about how he had that one moment where he's like, oh, holy fuck, I'm an entrepreneur. And I know as an entrepreneur, I've had that moment as well. So I'm really curious to see or to know that moment from you, from when your brain switched to Maria Sharapova, the amazing tennis player, to I'm Maria Sharapova, a business owner and an entrepreneur. Like, when was that switch for you? What was that aha moment? Um, I think it, it developed over time when I understood what I was passionate about and what I enjoyed doing. When I was younger, I really um, I loved fashion. And so a lot of the project that, projects that I was involved in were based around fashion. I had I designed collections with Nike um, for the things that I would wear for the other girls that were playing on tour as well. And that was, like, I just, I loved the, the, the clothes and the textures and just the experience of working with the designers. And then that shifted into business. Like, I found myself in meetings with, you know, decisions that were, you know, tougher, like that it made more impactful than maybe choosing a texture for a skirt. And, and I realized that, like I, I appreciated that. I wanted to learn from them more. And as I, sat in, as I sat in these meetings more and more, I just gained a new appreciation of people that were really good at what they did and I wanted to learn from them and maybe I could one day use it in my business. And then I, was, I had a shoulder surgery at 21 years old right after I won my third Grand Slam title and I was away from the game for about a year. And that was a time when 21 is for, for an athlete and tennis player specifically, that's really like, I mean, kind of the peak of your career. That's when you should be. I had been playing amazing tennis starting off the year and five months later found myself on an operation table, just not really giving all control where as I controlled my whole life, giving control to someone that's, you know, going to put my tendon back in place. and. That was scary, and I think that's when I realized that tennis wouldn't be my whole life, and there's a lot of different avenues that, um, that I would want to explore. Thank you. Of course. My question to you is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to all of the budding entrepreneurs that are in this audience? Wow, um, a few. I think teamwork is extremely important. Um, it's something that I've, I've used um, as an athlete and I've used in business. I think when you start a business, you are the sole, you know, you're the creator and you, you have the ideas and you're the one that pays most of the bills, but you don't know everything. And I think it takes, it takes a step down for someone to say, you know what, I'm not perfect in that area or I don't know enough in that. I need to bring other people in. I want to learn from other people and accept their knowledge. Um, I spent a few days um, shadowing Adam Silver, um, who is the NBA commissioner. And I spent a few days just like being in a room with him with, I mean, he is a leader. I mean, if there's a leader in, in an athlete's world, it's, it's Adam Silver. And he, he constructed these meetings with a type of attitude that allowed everyone in the room to give ideas, brainstorm without feeling any pressure that this guy is their boss and is their leader at the end of each meeting, he would give his few ideas and most likely he'd go back to the office and think to himself, okay, that wasn't that good. That, but he didn't, 
He wasn't pushy. He didn't put pressure on people. He allowed them to work together. That was very impressive. Uh, the question I have for Maria is I'm so impressed with you as an athlete in your mindset. Growing, like watching you, you were like the protege for a long time as the young, you know, young athlete that came up. And when you were beating people, you were knocking them off. But you've kind of lasted that career. And now you're the person that they want to then beat. What has that done for you in the position mentally? And when you had that like effort to go get him because you were the underdog and yeah. you were the young girl on stage. Yeah. And to now being the person that doesn't matter if they're ranked or known, right. if they beat Maria Sharapova. It's more. That's their yeah. notch in their belt. <laughs> it's a very interesting shift. And it's something I go quite deep in the book because I, I felt this so much. I mean, I... I won my first Grand Slam at a very young age. I was only 17 years old, and I was not expected to win. I didn't expect it for myself. No one expected it from me. And immediately was put in a position, um, which I'm grateful for, of course, but it brought so many things um, on the table that I didn't know what to do with. And one of the things I immediately felt was this, when I would go into a match following that victory, that the opponent that was playing me was playing much more than that particular round that we were in. They were playing for beating me, for getting everything that I had gotten along the way after that victory. And it was hard. It felt very isolating because it, it I mean, you, you want to put yourself in, in your own group, in your own bubble, in your own league. I think that's, that's something that we, we want to aspire to. We want to get there. But it was a lonely feeling. Like, it felt like... You know, I, I had to, I had to go within myself and be like, but I still want to beat them. Like I want to, I ha almost had to feel like I had to beat them even more. Like that's, that's the mentality because if it's so, it's really hard. It's hard to face that as a, as a teenager, and it was a reality check really fast. And I still, I mean, I, I face that you know till this day. But I think that's a, that's a privilege. It's a good position to be in. It's where you want to be. If someone wants to beat you, that means you've done something to get there. It means you're doing something right. I mean, that's something that Billie Jean King always says, pressure is a privilege. Anyone who watches you knows your intense amount of focus. So when you face critics, negative comments, etc., whether it's fans, players in the locker room of that nature, right. What's your best way of handling it? Do you focus that you just completely shut it out? Do you learn from it? Do you address it? Can you maybe explain a little bit yeah. that we can all relate to? Yeah, I've I faced a lot of it ever since I was young. When I won Wimbledon, I remember a news outlet flying from Great Britain to my grandparents' home in the middle of nowhere. I have no clue how they found them and were questioning my grandparents on, not only questioning, but criticizing my grandparents on how could you do this to your, you know, your grandchild, sending them to America when they're young, making them play tennis every single day, trying to get this negativity out of them for comments that they could use in a news, in a media outlet. And from that point on, I realized that this was gonna be a crazy ride, because that was, I mean, that's just weird. <laughs> And I faced a lot. I faced, um, I faced headlines. I faced tough critics. I faced negativity. I faced envy as a woman. But I always go back to something that 
I've always seen in my mother, and that is, you know, my mom was always in the shadows of my career. She wasn't into sports. She had nothing to do with it, and she dedicated her whole life just to be there for me, to be my mom. And she carried herself with this just elegance of not letting anyone control her life, tell her what to do, tell if, you know, her, maybe her parents said she was crazy for allowing her daughter to go to America at a young age. But she did it with this class and elegance that I've always carried with me throughout my whole career. I think there's a very powerful, a powerful element um, in a woman when you're just able to step back and accept it and put your head up and say, you know what, I accept this today and I'm gonna take action, and with my actions, I'm gonna change an opinion around. And I will also say, for every tough critic, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are positive and have something amazing to say about you. But our mind just doesn't function that way. Our mind always goes to the one person that just said that one word and that tough word, and we, we analyze it and we go, we, it's like a hamster wheel, it's in our mind. Why would they say that, but we didn't mean that. And, it's hard, it's definitely hard, but um, I always think of my upbringing and I think of my parents um, and it just grounds me. So that's, that's how I try to handle it. Thank you. So, I mean, you made it big at 17. You went big at 17. You have had a long and su successful career. Last year was like a reset bottom for, for, from you, basically, yes, right? Absolutely. That you gotta prove yourself again. Right. So I guess that during those times, you were looking for motivation, you were looking for inspiration to get you up. Mm -hmm. So let's turn the tables and let's imagine that you're sitting on any of these seats. What would you like to hear from someone like you to pump you up, fire you up? I think firing you up, it takes time. I think like realistically, it takes time. When you are down and you are going through a tough moment, like you can have great people around you, you can have positive words and positive energy and you can go dance and have a drink and feel good for a little bit, but then, then reality settles in and you go kind of back down again. And so I acknowledge that because there's no easy answer. Like there's, no, there's nothing someone will say to you that will just change everything around. It takes time, it takes people, it takes patience, um, it takes resiliency. And, and you have to go through it. Like there's no, there's no easy way around it. It's just, it's the way it is. Like whether it was for me, whether it's, everyone that's in this room has faced those challenges in their own personal way. Um, and you have to acknowledge it. You have to bring it to the surface. Sometimes we're in denial a little bit. It takes time to get that up yeah. to the surface. And um, that always makes the process a little bit easier personally for me. And writing, like I, I love putting the tough days on paper. I, I don't necessarily love it at the moment, but I love getting it out of my system on paper. Not to people, but sometimes something that you do with your hand is very important. There's like, I always feel like there's a connection with your mind and your hand and having it. And then, and then the satisfaction of getting through that moment and looking back at that and seeing, I faced that and I overcame it. 
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really wanna say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm curious for you, as someone who clearly is like very open about your struggles and your pains, like how do you always temper it in such a way that you can be a source of inspiration, be a source of hope for the people that are watching you, listening to you? So... That is a very complicated question. I will try to answer hey, it. Hey, take in your time. Pieces. <laughs> I wish we had all day. We have to start with a definition of what vulnerability is. And uh, I do come across many people who say, my vulnerability is weakness. I don't want people to see that I'm vulnerable. And I think that we have to look at who it is that we are sharing pieces of who we are with. Because you're not just going to be vulnerable with everyone around you. There are certain healthy boundaries that you need to build between you and other people. So you have to look at who are you opening up to? Who are you hoping to be seen by? Who are you hoping to be heard by? Instead of seeing your vulnerability as something that you want to hide away from everybody or give it to everybody, right? Because you will have people who won't honor your story. Like, I spoke today because I knew that everyone in here would honor my story. Everyone in here wants to listen to me. But the mistake that we tend to make, most people tend to make, is that they are vulnerable with the person who doesn't want them to be vulnerable with them. They're doing it in hopes that that person will open their eyes and say, 
you do deserve to be loved because of everything that you've gone through or the struggles that you're going through. So we open up to the wrong people. So once we shift who we need to be vulnerable with, then we start seeing vulnerability as a source of us uncovering ourselves and feeling whole with ourselves and with that person in front of us. Because, and I'm sure everybody could relate to this, when you talk to someone about a personal thing and you don't feel like they valued it, you're putting one more brick on that wall that you're building. You're not opening up more. So the purpose of it is, is being heard and being seen, so it has to be the right people. So you're Does saying... Does that help? Yes, yes. <laughs> so you're saying then be more focused on who it is that you're sharing that vulnerability yes. with so that it can Do they have permission? Do, yeah. they, do they deserve? Instead of asking yourself, am I worthy of them listening to me? Ask yourself, are they worthy of hearing it's my story? great. <laughs> Shit. Wow. Total reframe for me. Thank you. Thank you. I guess my question is, how can I support you? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> you just did. I tend to get very emotional when I, when I talk about things like this, but I went through an experience where I was made to believe that a certain stage of my life never happened and that I made it up in my mind. And that was part of the abuse. So when I speak of my story, the most empowering thing for me is when someone says, I believe you. That's it. I grew up in Israel. I can relate to you. You're from Lebanon. Um, my story is about mental health and my journey. And mm -hmm. my goal is to help others get out of their mental health through my journey. And I feel like as an Orthodox Jew, I get a lot of stigma. Yeah. And and I'm sure you can relate yes. to that. <laughs> We're very similar. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a sister. So, but I'm so goal-oriented to break that stigma and not, not to hear the voices. But I do have a family. I do have a huge support network. But when those voices come and those bashing comes, what do we do to just isolate them and just keep focused and say, we're on a path. I'm not going to let them stop me. Because they're strong voices. Yeah. Well, I would just like to begin by saying I really, really can relate to what you're saying. Um, I've had to, to walk on a path where most of the people around me uh, within my community or, um, you know, within my family, within my culture, within my religion, they would look at me and say, oh, you're, you're looking at things that don't really matter. You know, it's all in your head. Just shake exactly. it off. And um, for a long time, again, with building homes inside of people, sometimes you build that home in, inside your culture or inside your religion, and you say, if I don't fit that, if there's no room for me there, that means that I'm just not worthy as a human being. So you have to start, and I do this myself, you have to start thinking of what is the real goal here of them telling me that I shouldn't take care of my mental health, right? What, what are they getting out of me not feeling like I've taken care of myself? 
why is the focus on them and what they think of what I need? My focus should be on me and what I need to continue moving on in this life. Because at the end of the day, yes, you have a family, you have a community, but you are walking your own path, right? So when you get those comments, picture it like this. You have a home inside of you. And part of that home is self-value and self-worth. If someone points a comment at you, it's like somebody knocking at the door. You open the door, you see who it is. It's a negative comment that tells you something that you know is wrong. You don't welcome it in. You just let it leave. So it's about your perception of what they think of you and how you minimize it that will allow you to let go of that. And in terms of having like bigger initiatives for, for communities as a whole to get rid of the stigma, people have to share their stories. It was a big hit when I shared my story. I shared my story I, and I'm writing a book, but I'm getting a lot of, because my, my story is beautiful and it has a beautiful ending. But people are like, keep it to yourself. I shared my story, <laughs> I did. I shared it yeah. and I got messages saying, from, from people in my community, right. You're looking for publicity. Right. You, are ha you asked for it. Right. You behaved in a way that makes what happened to you something that you deserved happening to you. I got that, but I didn't care. So just shut the They're door. not living my life. And, and for the 5% of, of messages or feedback that you get like that, you get 95% hidden stories saying, I've been struggling with this for five years, and you just gave me a voice. Mm -hmm. So people need to start sharing their stories. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. <laughs> I think that the, the question that I have for you is while I'm on my healing journey, I know you talked about mind platter, nectar of pain, and now this, this other uh, stitching with gold, right? Yeah. I feel like I'm at stitching with gold. How do I create a boundary, especially with the stigma of, oh, yo, these are your parents. You should, you know, allow them to do whatever it is. You know, it's okay, forgive them. Where I'm being very, very protective of my own time, my own integrity, my own energy to make sure I honor my wife and my children moving, oh, man. The mask, yeah. the mask, the mask. Let it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do, what advice would you give me as a man, as a human being, as a father and a role model for other men and children out there? What advice would you give me to make sure that I honor and respect my mother and father for giving birth to me, but at the same time honoring who I am and the pain that I've gone through as a child, a son, as a leader? Thank you for sharing that with me. That's, thank you for sharing that. Mm. Are they asking you to be around you, your family, or are you thinking of how you should go to them and ask for you know, a, a relationship, or, so or kinda, is it just kind of I kind of went out of my way this year to forgive them. Like, it was a long process. It was a four-year process for me, and it was... My father, I've, I've forgiven him. My mother, I've forgiven her. But now the question is... Um, rebuilding the relationship. Rebuilding the relationship, but making sure... Like, I, didn't, I never received an apology, just like you. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I want to make sure that those toxic behaviors, those manipulative patterns, they don't show up, and I want to be able to take a stand, and that's where the boundary comes in. 
you know, because I don't want to just continue the relationship because you're mom and dad and I want that validation. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I yeah. agree with that. So what I would do is um, once you restart your relationship with them, if you choose to, because that's totally up to you, trusting them again is definitely a risk. It's a risk and you don't know what you're going to get out of it. But you have to be very mindful and very aware of what you will accept and what you won't accept. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is a very tricky topic because to forgive someone, we usually think that forgiving them means that what they did was okay. That we're saying, we're letting go. Yeah, you know, it happened in the past, it was okay. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying what happened was horrible, you shouldn't have done it but I'm no longer going to allow the pain that you caused me to affect who I am right now. I'm forgiving you for me, not for you. You have to deal with what you've done, mm. right? So if you think of you forgiving them that way, then that keeps you mindful of the fact that those things might come up. And if they do, you're gonna have to draw red lines again. But if you go into it while you're mindful, fully alert that something like that might happen and might cause some triggers for you, the, the impact will be much less because you've already kind of expected or anticipated it. But send me an email because I would like to give you yeah. my full thoughts on this. Oh, you got it. Definitely, yeah. I appreciate you immensely. Thank you for being, <laughs> I just want to acknowledge you for just a moment. As a Muslim woman, I've, you know, I grew up in the Middle East. I was born in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. So, and wow. I have a very religious parents, yeah. my father is, my mom, she was a Buddhist, so like, and I had that struggle, but for you as a woman who, who still owns her faith proudly, immense gratitude and appreciation for showing up for like my younger sisters. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm so you. proud of you, like, and I so honor you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't remember at all how this came up. What is very clear is that sexlessness, infidelity, polyamory, a complete new relationship between father and child, gender fluidity, all these are topics that are entering the office of a couples therapist like they never have before. And what needs to happen is an open conversation about it, not what you do with it, but the ability to have a conversation about this. Virginity used to be the big line 50, 60 years ago. Monogamy is the discussion of the day. But we need to define what we mean by this. And so part of what we were discussing is what happens with boundaries today. The boundaries are changing all along. When you come as sexual nomads to a relationship in which you then make a commitment, in exclusivity means something very different. What does exclusivity mean? It means that I'm finally willing to relinquish my freedom for you, my dear, for whom I will delete my apps. <laughs> we have to redefine all the terms. We're using the same words and they mean completely new realities. So too on the polyamory front. So that's kind of where this was. Yeah, next. There was a girl earlier who was talking about being the strong, powerful woman, and that's hard to be that in the relationship, but I don't have an asshole guy. I have the most amazing guy in the world who makes me feel like even more of a success than I know I am on paper. 
He's not that on paper. Society tells me that I need somebody like that, but he fits me emotionally. What's your thought? Let me, I'm going to answer you with something that I talk about not often. Certainly, I don't think I've ever talked about it like that on stage, but I'm so, I just feel so bad about your question and about the pressure. I about feel so under pressure all the time. The pressure, you know, there are, you know, it's like this notion that if you, that you have to choose between being powerful and, and, or successful, and, 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 and what do you say is that you need to have a partner who is the same? Yes. Because the word loser doesn't exist in the feminine. And the word emasculated, by the way, doesn't exist in the feminine either. Those are curses for men. You understand? Yeah. There is lots of strength. And there is, today, if we're going to really talk about gender equality, it is not about 50-50 or these kind of things. It is really about letting the people do that which they are most competent doing. If you are better at braving the world outside, at making the money, at, uh, at doing the taxes, God knows what else goes, even the car, the garden, all of that stuff, you know, then go as long as you have the, on the other side someone who reminds you, you know, someone who holds that feminine side of you for you. Someone who looks at you like that, regardless of how much work and how much power you have had to exude in the world. This is complementarity. And relationships thrive on complementarity. But the complementarity in straight couples is based on gender and not on what the gender does best. Thank you. So... What I was going to say to you, I have been the primary breadwinner in my family for 35 years that I'm married to the same man. We have two sons who have seen the whole thing, but my husband does human rights work, and that is glorious work, but it is not work that sends kids to school. And that, you know, I admire him every minute. You know, there's enough wars and disasters going on for him to have worked till, till after he dies, you know, but... But maybe partly because I have a different view on this. It, I never saw this as it takes the feminine out of me. I just thought, you know, I have this strength. I happen to know this a little, you know, it, I happen to be lucky or something, whatever. But he contributes in so many other ways. And to come here and to have him just say, I'm proud of you, because this book is finally out, and it's three years in the make, and the whole thing. And I think I am so supported by a strong man, because a strong man is a man who doesn't get intimidated by a strong woman. My question to you, because I feel like I am the epitome of uh, dating right now in America and in my age group. <laughs> I, you know, I want to date. I'm one of those people that said, yeah, I think I want to be in a relationship, but you have like these different flavors of yourself, right? You have happy Jay, you have sad Jay, you have like need to be cuddled Jay, need to leave me alone Jay, you have like horny Jay, whatever. And my partner has all those same flavors too. And you can have like the perfect mix it seems for weeks or months and then all of a sudden like you clash because you're in the wrong flavor for each other at that point in time. And it's like, let's start swiping again. Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you. Please. Finish your question, just so I'm not sure I'm not going off in the wrong track. He's scared. I'm just the question. The qu- so I'm, que- I'm misattuned, yes. and I start to think about my swiping hand again. And yes, so I'm asking. What's your advice to me? What should my expectations be? Where should my level of patience be? Like, how do you fix me? So. <laughs> <laughs> Next Wednesday, 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Look, relationships is a dis-dance. Connection, disconnection, repair. That's the cycle. Attunement, misattunement, recalibration. However you want to name this. It's this rhythm. It's a rhythm. So, first of all, when you, think, when you tell me the first sentence, you know, when we are perfectly in sync, I'm like, oh, get the fuck, we're perfect out of there. <laughs> it's just like, it's crippling. Because the minute you're not perfect, you get restless. And the minute you get restless, your fingers start to twitch. And then, and, and, and it just takes you to a whole other place rather than maybe you're restless and you actually turn to your partner and you say, you know what, I'm restless. My fingers would like to twitch. Would you like to sign on too so maybe I can, I can swipe you? You know. In case you choose monogamy, that's actually an interesting way to go about it. You know, it's like bring this restlessness instead of always siphoning it out. And, and, and it's like bring it. You know, in the same way that you say I'm your oxygen tank, have her be your oxygen tank. Turn to her rather than away from her when you experience discontent, restlessness, whatever you call that. So that's the first thing. You know, people these days, the the problem with with swiping or, or social in general is that you can curate all kinds of fantastical and wishful lives online. You can have a thousand friends online, but that doesn't mean you know who's gonna feed your cat. You know, I think what you want, first of all, is to accept it's very difficult to transition from the kind of sexual nomadism and the kind of multiple options to now just stay here and to stay put. And it takes a while to know what to do when... Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. When you want the best, you have to act quickly. 
or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game, or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Suddenly, you don't feel that she's interested in you in the same way or that she's not as turned on in the same way or all the changes that take place. And to actually bring this into the conversation, which makes for a very interesting exchange when you don't just go into rules and regulations and ultimatums. To me, that's when you start to create real muscle in a relationship. If you have a relationship that allows for the swiping and for the going elsewhere, that's your negotiation. The problem in most straight couples is that the negotiation, this is back to the other question as well, the negotiation about monogamy is just about five words. I catch you, you're dead. <laughs> that's about as much as people talk about. And that's when I, decide, I realized that after a crisis, people actually really get in there and start to, to talk about the real stuff. So, what happens to you? Do you get lonely? Do you feel insignificant? Do you feel like, I shouldn't have to demand, I shouldn't have to expect, I shouldn't have to wait because I'm such a, I'm such a great guy and I do for everybody else and I come home and I sit here and I wait for her and she's not even in the bed with me and all of that. What, not, that may not be your story, but like, what, what's your sense of entitlement? But in the good sense of the word, what do you feel you deserve? Because, you know, there's a lot of people here who say, who are you and what do you deserve? But there's a lot of people who say exactly that with a different tone. Who are you and what do you deserve? <laughs> you know, so you, you feel like once that person was there for you all the time and now they're not so instantly available and responsive. And then you start to feel like your, your self-esteem is shriveling and your sense of, you know, importance is being shattered. My suggestion for if you want a relationship with muscle is that you go back in there and you duke it out and you fight and you don't ever think that a good relationship doesn't have arguments. You're on the contrary and you create a thing that is called fierce intimacy. Okay. Right here. Uh, what advice would you give someone who has recently gone through a divorce? Mm -hmm but is constantly on the road and wants to reestablish a meaningful connection with their previous partner? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Um, because it might, I mean, both of you are talking also about breakup. Okay, listen, I'm not gonna do justice to any of this because I wanna respect his time. So yeah. it goes like this. <laughs> one of the things, and maybe, maybe one of the things that, is, that I think we need to bring back is the art of letter writing, not texts. 
We didn't even talk about technology and about texting and ghosting and simmering and icing and all of the stuff that people are doing with relationships and technology. I think when you have a new relationship, imagine that instead of texting, which is still super nice, you write a handwritten letter. Do you, any of you, I don't even know how old you are, but do any of you remember going to a mailbox and seeing an envelope that had a recognizable hand letter? This is the direct road to somebody's heart. You want to reconnect with your ex? Write her a handwritten letter. Thank you. Mel, that podcast with you and Lewis, that was like my favorite podcast I heard in life. It changed everything this past year. I also come from a legal background. I quit my large law firm job last month. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank You're you. free. <laughs> I am. And I'm moving overseas. Uh, took the leap going to Vietnam to chase a new and better opportunity. What my question is, I'm very excited about this opportunity. I just still have this nagging feeling of an imposter syndrome. Like, did I oversell my Good. corporate M&A experience? Good. Listen, imposter syndrome is an amazing thing. Because it's normal when you're doing something new. Why the hell would you feel confident if you're doing something for the first time? And so you, if you don't feel imposter syndrome in some area of your life, which is that feeling that you, A, either don't deserve the success or that people are going to find out you have no clue what you're doing, you are not growing. You're not growing. And so I want you to embrace the fact that you feel outside your comfort zone. Feeling that way is normal. Letting it stop you is a choice. And so learn to actually ride the wave and understand that the only way that imposter syndrome goes away, and you can Google this research, it's about the confidence competency loop. Confidence competency loop. All the research around confidence, uh, which disappears imposter syndrome, is that it starts with being willing to try to learn new skills, to see yourself growing, and then once you gain the competency, all the resistance and insecurity disappears. So great, congratulations that you have imposter syndrome. Thank so there's two, so yeah, yeah. yes, embrace imposter syndrome. Being able to actually step into it is a sign of greatness. When your thoughts drift here though, five, four, three, two, one, and I want you to, your anchor thought should be something around how excited you are for this next adventure, okay? The question is, does inspiration build action and courage? I think that inspiration comes after the action. It's wonderful if you've been blessed as a human being to have a positive mindset and a, and a healthy dose of, of motivation. If you're like the rest of us, mostly you're going to be afraid of all the things you need to do. You're going to feel the resistance. And so I think it is so important that you drill it into your head that it all begins with action. Inspiration comes when you see yourself getting out of bed, when you see yourself going for a run despite how tired you are, when you see yourself saying no because they didn't offer you the deal that you wanted. You always have leverage in life because you can always say no. Negotiate contracts, never negotiate who you are. And so I want you to understand that it starts with action and it's a mistake for most of us to wait around until we feel like it, because you may never feel like it. Got it? Thank you. Thanks, You're buddy. welcome. My question to you is, when you, five, four, three, two, one, action. Uh, so when it comes to that go, not like the, the loop of anxiety or mm -hmm. such, 
my wonder is about, because I think that what comes after the one for me would be more intuitive. And so many studies show that intuition isn't necessarily the smartest thing to act on when you're in a situation that requires strategy. Yes. So I'm interested in using this tool, but in a circumstance, well, in multiple circumstances in my life. Give me a particular example so that I can coach you. I'll get vulnerable and very specific here. Okay, good. Okay, so I have a son and a very contentious relationship with my ex-partner. Okay. So um, I'm very much heart-centered... Um, everyone's good, everyone's love. He's very much, I want to litigate the shit out of you and crush you kind of personality. Okay? So we chose each other. This is our situation. Right. So... What do you want to change about how you're being? Because we can't change him. Yes. I want to specifically not feel like I'm constantly, like, being attacked. Like, I feel like I'm constantly under attack in every single decision I'm making in my life right now. I have to see in the eyes of a judge. Like, will the judge take my son away from me if I make that decision for my life? Um, Does this mean that I'm going to get, you know, pummeled with court papers tomorrow if I post Is it tomorrow? Is that your first name? Tomorrow. Okay, so let me just broaden out the question. So basically, she's stuck in a loop of feeling so uncertain that it's making it paralyzing to make any decision. And so, first of all, given that divorce and custody is a legal construct, yes, exactly. you have to make sure that you're not making, like, you need to talk to an expert about particular decisions you're making so that it doesn't impact that. That's one thing. What you're dealing with is the result of being in a relationship where you were probably emotionally abused for years. Yes. And it's become a habit to shrink. Yes. It's become a habit to feel attacked. It's yes. become a habit to hide. Yes. And so where you want to really go to work, and this is your lesson from this chapter of your life, is to find your voice. And so when you start to feel yourself shrinking or start to go down the mental habit of now second-guessing your own heart-centered decisions because you've been taught to, this is where you use the five-second rule to five, four, three, two, one, and your anchor thought needs to be Come up with a vision, a very specific one of where you were when you felt your most free and empowered as a woman. And I want you to say to yourself, I'm so excited to be that, to feel that way again, because this is going to take a while. I would have to interrupt my thoughts 137 times a day (laughs) when I first started attacking anxiety because it was so much a habit. Same is going to be true with you. And so do not get discouraged when you see it again and you see yourself shrink again and you see yourself shrink again. Every time you see this stuff, you guys, it's a huge moment of power. You just woke up. You have a choice. Are you going to let that old behavior pull you in this way or are you going to 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, push yourself to be greater? That's the choice that you get to make every single day. You got it? Yes. May I request just a clarification? Sure. Okay, so you're saying within the specific context of my scenario, this for me really is more about my mental and emotional cycle. Oh, it's a thousand percent, a thousand percent. And you're saying with my initial question to you that I need to just put that to my attorneys, trust the attorneys, allow the process to go, and I just need to deal with this game up here. Yes, you do. And here's the other thing. Because this is a legal situation, yeah. like, you know, we, we look at divorce and custody and these sorts of things as emotional. It's actually a legal construct. You're untangling and unpacking a marriage. If you have an unhealthy relationship 
with a, with a person in your life, whether it's your ex or your boss, you have no business. You cannot trust yourself yeah. talking about anything other than logistics. Exactly. Got it? Because that's where I've been. But like my desire was to hop out of the chair and be like, let me go call him. What time is it in the UK? Like, no. and be like let's just all work this out. No. Like, that's why my question was about no. that initial. Don't take the okay. bait. Quick story. Can I tell a quick story? So my, 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 my mother is one of my favorite uh, people in the world. I grew up in Western Michigan. I love, 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 love her. We have this thing where we, when we go on vacation and see each other, um, when I'm with my family, we last about three or four days before there's like this massive explosion. And then it's all, you know, rainbows and butterflies again. But it's painful explosion. So I say to my brother, Derek, why do you never fight with mom? And he looked at me. This was something he told me four months ago. Mel, I don't take the bait. When mom starts getting irritated and, and angry about stuff, you immediately, it's like she's fishing for you. And you're like, I'm in. And so if you can train yourself to not take the bait that you took for years, I use the five-second rule right now in my life to really watch my tone with my family and with the people I work with. And so you could use this to really catch yourself with the habit of, ooh, ooh, jump in, fix it. Ooh, jump in and be lovely. Ooh, jump in and, yeah. like, love everybody. Ooh, jump in, make it okay. That's, that's exactly what it is, because it's about controlling the narrative yeah, no. so everyone's good and happy. No, you yeah. can't control okay. <laughs> any narrative but this one. Yeah. And this is the most important one anyway, because you live with that person. Thank Phenomenal. you. Phenomenal. Thank you. You're welcome. Final question. My question is, uh, you have obviously become a much more confident woman. Yes. And you had so much anxiety before. That's how you describe yourself. So my question is, since you've been using this and practicing it a lot, is it m to the point where you, that's just how you crush everything? Or are there still some things that you feel that anxiety over? And if so, what are they? Every time I do something new, imposter syndrome. So we're, you know, I'm inspired by Lewis to do more events. I'm cutting my speaking business in half because um, I just can't handle the road anymore. 121 speeches last year. It was nice. great in the beginning after 21 years of marriage because it felt like we were dating again. <laughs> but then, you know, it gets a little old. Um, and so all these new things that I'm doing, of course, there's a level of anxiety, but what's so freaking amazing is when you get control of your thinking patterns and you actually have a breakthrough and realize you can choose what you think about, you won't torture yourself as much. You won't make things as hard. So yeah, I feel all that stuff. I should. We're in the middle of negotiating some crazy shit right now. And it may not happen. It may not happen. But I have the ability to let anxiety come and then just smash it down and regain control of what I'm doing right now so that I can be the smartest so that I, about what I want, so that I can align what I'm about to do in terms of a decision with my values, and so that I don't let emotion, and particularly for women, there is a lot of bias in business. And if you get handed a, a crap deal, you'll be offended. And if you get offended in a business deal, you will not be a shark as a negotiator. And so, yes, I feel anxiety. I just know how to deal with it. I don't get scared of it. Feeling it is normal. Letting Let it stop you is, is a choice. choice. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.
I hope you enjoyed this interview series with some inspirational women from all walks of life. We've got authors, we've got speakers, we've got world-class champions all in this interview. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to share with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 913. It's all about redefining greatness with these powerful individuals who are making an impact around the world and who've also gone through some challenges in their life and talk about how they've overcome them. Again, lewishouse.com slash 913. And you have an opportunity to make an impact on your friend's life. Your learning today has helped you. Now, I want you to go apply what you learned into your life and start to see the results that you're creating. But in order to inspire someone else to help them, you've got to share this content. So send a text to one friend that you think might be inspired by these ladies' stories and share it because you can make an impact and a difference and change someone's life today by doing so. Just send them to lewishouse.com slash 913. I love this quote by Maya Angelou who said, all great achievements require time. Things take time, but you also don't want to be limited by time. You can create a lot in a short amount of time, but also empires and big dreams are going to take time. Continue to surround yourself with a team of people who can support you in your dreams. Continue to surround yourself with the information you need to support you with your dreams and continue to take care of your health and your body so you have the energy to pursue those dreams. You matter, you worth it. I love you very much and thank you so much for being here. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.